Our 360 News will provide unbiased and unfiltered coverage of events, issues, and policies that impact communities throughout Alabama. We aim to report on matters that resonate with overlooked and marginalized people in our cities and states by providing a platform to amplify our concerns and our voices. In addition, our website, social media channels, and new media endeavors are fact-checked thoroughly to serve our communities with integrity in the tradition of American journalism. Go to our360.news and sign up for our newsletter, and also check out Our 360 News on Facebook. Like and share. Joseph, tell me a joke. All right, all right. Okay, I got a joke for you. Okay. All right. What did the horse say after it tripped? What? Help, I've fallen and I can't giddy up. Somebody put him out. Put him out. That was that was one of the lamest, which makes good. it one of the that best. Was good. That was good. That's news. my point. Like, <laughs> when is that lame? It it starts getting back good again. It, it's so bad. It's hilarious. <laughs> Joseph D. Bryant is a longtime news reporter, writer, and communicator that has been on the podcast before. His more than 20-year communications and news career includes working as a reporter with the Birmingham News and AL.com. We got to add that on there, your, your little thoughts on that. Uh, where he spent a decade covering the Birmingham mayor's office and city government. After leaving the news, Bryant spent three years at the Housing Authority of the Birmingham District, where his roles included serving as the spokesperson and as interim vice president for community engagement of the state's largest affordable housing agency. Most recently, he is a freelance writer and communications consultant with Beacon Communications, which he launched. It'd be two years ago now. A year ago now. About a year ago. Yeah. By creating Beacon, Joseph merges his passions for writing, storytelling, and communications strategies. A University of Alabama journalism graduate, Joseph made history by becoming the first African-American editor of the university's student newspaper, the Crimson White in 2000. Joseph, my friend, my homie, tell me what you think about us losing our one and only newspaper. Just yesterday, the Birmingham News, AL.com, bit the dust as far as the print news is concerned, so... Well, all right. Okay, you know, that's a, that's a feeling. First of all, I'm glad to be back. Yeah. You know, I've had a good time, and it's an honor to be in this in this podcast and in this studio. So thank, thank you for having you, me again. Thank you. Thank um, obviously, the print product, is, is that's, that's near and dear to my heart because I'm 
I'm old school. Yeah, I, mean, I was I was a newspaper person at first. Yeah, and it, and you know, I was, things times change and formatting change, and it became you know we had we had a website and then the website kind of ate the paper. Yeah. So uh, you know, nostal- for nostalgic purposes, it's it's sad to see it go, but I think over time, and I would be, would have been hard pressed to say this earlier years ago, but over time people have gotten used to getting their news digitally. So you know, so even even my mother who is seventy years old now. Hardly ever buys a physical paper anywhere. Mm-hmm. She looks on her phone and she knows how to get her news digitally now. So it was a hard transition, but we made that transition. Yeah. So I think it was, the numbers kind of show, you know, the, the print sales have gone. You know, everything has gone digital now. Right. So I hate to see, you know, nothing like touching paper. Yeah. You know, and clipping yeah. it out and saving it. I wish that could have been preserved in some way. Yeah. But you know, it's a private company; they make their own decisions. As long as Quality is not is not is not affected by formatting. Yeah, I'm at that point now. As long as long as long as you're still telling stories and, and doing reporting, the format doesn't really matter. Ma- now, matters less to me. Let me ask you this: I'm gonna dig a little deeper. Two people, at least, have have said this to me. Um, let's see. It was Daniel Dariso and uh, Kyle Whitmire have both made the comment that you should pay for good journalism. So, <laughs> and which I think is bullshit. And so <laughs> I'm curious, you know, we, we've gone from, all right, the printed news is gone. We're getting free news. How far behind the, how far back is us having to pay for news or, or, Am I being paranoid? You're not being paranoid at all. There are two different models. Well, actually, there are three models. Mm-hmm. There's there's one that you know you got the news quote for free. Mm-hmm. Then there is one where we were basically an advertising company that mm-hmm. gave you the news they for gave, free. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I right. wrote stories that made you pick up my ads. <laughs> right. I mean, right. We, we didn't want to say it back then. But that's what it was. That's we're, what we were it an was. advertising company that gave you a reason to read, and the news was the reason to read our ads. Okay, yeah, so that's yeah. so your your dollar didn't pay for well the, put. your dollar didn't pay for the news. It, yeah, that paper costs more than a dollar to print that yeah. you put there, fifty cents or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so then you have that model. Then you have the model that we have now, I guess, on the website. So you know, you you have the news for free on the website, mm-hmm. but it still gives you access to those ads, and hopefully you click on some of those ads. Yes, yeah. so it's still an ad based support system. There's another model now that says uh, then there's then there's a paywall. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you know I subscribe to Washington Post. Mm-hmm. You know, my little. Ten dollars a month really doesn't pay for much, but in the aggregate, I guess it does. Right. Then the last model is more like a public broadcast type of thing, where you know, like on PBS and NPR, mm-hmm. they have the pledge drive, mm. please give. Yeah, so yeah. So it's all member supported. So like NPR. Right. But so, right, yeah. right. So you have yeah. these different different models, and yeah. I think each organization has to figure out what model is best for them. Hmm. Well, I know what model works best for me, and that is. Our 360 news. I like it. I like it. So um, tell me about your first article, Black Alabamians in the Republican Party. Um, first, t- give us the behind the scenes on your thoughts about it. Or They do exist. <laughs> you know, you know, yeah, that's, uh, that's how you did your promo. <laughs> right. They, they do exist. They do you, exist. You gave me a, 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 an assignment that made me do some research on my own. Yeah. Okay, we talk about you know African-Americans in the Republican Party. Okay, they exist. Well, do they exist in Alabama? Right. You know, and the answer was yes. 
So you got a chance to uh, you helped you sent me back home. Yeah, you know, I interviewed a lady from from back home in Dothan, Alabama, Houston County, um, uh, Helen Newsom, who's a, a longtime friend of mine. But Miss Newsom is a, is an active Republican woman. Yeah, and the Republican women of, of Houston County and all this type of thing. And I found out that you know they're not necessarily caricatures either. You know, we talk about we like we like to pigeonhole people right. that conservatives, particularly African American conservatives, has to be extreme. That's right. And cartoons. That's right. Buffoons, even. Uncle Ruckus. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I know Miss Newsom. Yeah. Grew up with Newsom. Her kids grew up with me. We went to the same church. Right. Miss Newsom is none of those things. Right. She's an independent-minded person who found out that she had some of her values and her political her political ideas, for the most part, comported with that of the GOP. Now, let me interrupt you just a little bit as I provoke my executive producer just a little bit. Um, as I, I told you that more African-Americans were getting involved with the conservative, uh, with, with the Republican party. First of all, as we know, blacks have always been, uh, were historically members of the Republican party. And, you know, we know how everything switched and this, that, and the other. But here in Alabama, which, you know, you made sure to point out, you know, do they exist? Yeah, but what about here in Alabama? Right. A lot of people would say, well, how can black Republicans exist right. in Alabama? Now, my answer to that is, you know, two or threefold. Like I tell um, um, Eric all the time, number one, first and foremost, black folks are conservative. We really are. With our values, with our principles, we really are conservative. Um, then you look at our... Um, why in the world... A friend of mine posed this question. You know, why in the world would we support the things that would destroy us as a people, right? Okay. And so when you look at, you know, all of the tenets of, you know, um, I'm trying to be careful with my words, of course, but then, really I remember, now. <laughs> but then I remembered it's a podcast and it's mine. So um, the homosexual stuff, right? Nobody is I'm I'm not bashing homosexuals, but I'm not gonna sit up here and and you know tote that flag proverbially nor literally. I think that we should be preserve, uh uh giving principles, uh teaching principles to our children, to to the next generations of Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. That's just me. That's just my opinion. Number two, um when it comes to guns, why do why why do we want to get rid of guns? That makes absolutely no sense to me. All right, if we are going to be pro, uh, I mean, if if someone else is going to be pro guns, I want as many black people armed as well as possible. If 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 there is a is a vote on limiting or taking up guns. Black folk ought to be the first in line to say, hell no. The border. Why on earth do we keep 
supporting the immigration policies that are in front of us. I don't, I, I was talking to my cousin Courtney the other day. He thought black people were the, were the number one min, minority. Had to bust that bubble. Well, he said, well, well surely we were still in 2010. Had to bust that bubble. There have been more brown people in America than black people in America since 1999-ish. So y'all want to drive our voting strength down on top of that? This is a, it, I'm not trying to be mean, cruel, or rude. I'm just being strategic. Which brings me to my point. Mm -hmm. A lot of black people here in the state of Alabama are, are, are conservative, but they're Republicans out of strategy. If you are in the middle of a white community that votes red, your blue vote ain't doing nothing. <laughs> So why not why not participate over there so that you can get a, a, a not so extreme choice in the general? Well, that happened in your Senate race. You know that the same thing happened in the Senate race. Exactly. But you know, uh, to your point, uh, not to tout the virtues of either party, mm -hmm. uh, D. L. Finley, a longtime uh, political science professor and a veteran observer, he said in that in our story, his quote was. African Americans want the same things that white people want. They want good neighborhoods. They want the economy, economic development, education for their children, and safety. There's no difference in terms of quality of life desires between African Americans and white people and, and Democrats and Republicans. It's just that people have their preferences in terms of how we get to those ends. Now, he goes on to say that while the numbers are still you know, smaller as far as African Americans and the GOP, it helps to have diversity within those ranks as well. Absolutely. If you don't have the diverse uh, voices, you're not going to have those... The platform's not going to reflect your needs. But he goes on to say now, although some African-Americans may identify politically and socially with some of the Republican tenants, the quote is, they don't identify with all the racism and things that you will see in some of the extreme groups. Those, those extreme right-wing groups. And I think that's bullshit, too. Oh, come on. Really? Yes. Why, why, why is that bull? Tell me why. You know, good and well, we can't stand niggas neither. Now, we love our black people, but we don't like niggas neither. So that's why I say that. That's why I make the. No, you well, see. Well, it all depends on what definition that is. Because, you, know, you know. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the worst. I'm talking about the worst of the worst. I'm talking about those that we complain about. That. I'm a, there, there are times I'm afraid of black folk, too. Oh, come on, Al. Some of those same groups don't want you. And you're just as nice as, 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 as corporate but and everything all else. I'm They saying, don't want you either, man. Come on. What I'm saying, let's be clear. I don't want them neither. See, I don't want either. I don't really want anybody on earth but me. <laughs> <laughs> I only want me here. Okay. The rest of y'all motherfuckers got to go because I'm tired of it. No, seriously. Um... I'm at a point now where I think more economically than I, than I think racially, mm -hmm. right? I have more in common with a 50-year-old white guy with family, middle-aged, 
thinking about retirement, thinking about safety, thinking about schools. You know, I have more in common with that guy than I have in common with a 20-year-old black male at Miles College. Me and this white guy think more alike when we look at the world than I than than a twenty year old, and so where I'm going with this is as far as my own personal circles are concerned, they have far more to do with intellect and and level of education than it does with race. That that's just for me. That's just for me. That's nice of you to say, but I think some of those people in those extreme groups would not say that. They'll say, oh, that's a nice man. So the door's closed, and then you'll be considered that N-word that you just talked about. Absolutely. just like. But that's that's my whole point. We we act as though when the door closes, we don't call them honkies and rednecks and peckerwoods and everything under the sun either. We can be just as racist as they are. But does it make it right? What are you saying no? I'm not here. Uh, well, you can't be doing all that if you're not going to contribute. I, I'm going to assume you're justifying that white some racism people... with black racism, and they're both wrong. No, okay, I apologize. I didn't mean to um, justify either one. Okay, I'm just saying I'm not going to be a hypocrite. Okay, I'm not going to sit up here and say, you know, th- this white guy said nigger one time. He got, he's got to go. He the worst. No, in my mouth. <laughs> I'll participate. You know what I'm saying? That that's what I'm talking about. You know, I'm not. I'm now too late. Is it is? Um, it's all about. I'm just keeping it 100. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm not. I'm seriously not justifying or standing up for or um, um, saying. I'm. I'm not trying to be ruckus. Sure, you know sure, what I'm sure, saying? Sure. I have equal disdain across the board. Yeah, I've seen your post. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. But I think the point that Finley is making, Dr. Finley is saying, is there are African Americans in the GOP, but one thing that a major barrier are those extreme right wing fringe groups that do espouse hate. And you're not going to get, you're not going to get, we're not monolithic, no, but you're not going to get a groundswell of people of color, black folk, in the GOP, as long as you have these knuckleheads on the other side who are, just, who are, Clearly anti-black. I'm not. I can't. I think. Bro- I think. I think that is displaced. Um, blame though, because there are more people that don't participate at all than those who participate on one side or another. Correct. Yes. So where I'm going with this is, I'm never one to try to pull someone. Over to one party or the other. Uh-huh. I'm just saying, let's stop attacking those who make those choices. Yes, because yes. strategically, yes, yes, we do need them in both Absolutely. places. Absolutely. Absolutely, and then when people meet me with certain arguments, all I'm saying is that's bullshit. That's no reason not to participate. Yes, in the Republican Party. You so need, I hope you, I said yeah, that a right, little better. Right. You need a Miss Newsom, the lady we profile. Yes. You need a Miss Newsom. You need a me. Because Miss Newsom said, she said, now, you, I'm, I'm vice chair of the group, but don't expect me to be just a yes lady. Right. 
right. I, I have opinions. She said, I will criticize the president. I'll praise the president. At, at that point, it was Trump. I'll, I'll praise Trump. I think he has a policy that I like. When he says something buffoonish, I'm going to criticize that too. So she's still an independent thinker. So well, you need, but you need those diverse thoughts and people in the room on either side of the party. So yes. Right. Um, your second one. All right. Or did we, hold on. I want to be sure we talk about, talk about them in order. Yeah. Your second one. Banking icon, Bob Dickerson. Bob Dickerson. And of course, for those who haven't, who just popped in or whatnot, um, I'm talking with journalist Joseph Bryant about some stories that he has done for our 360 News. So, first one we talked about was blacks in the Republican Party. Now we're talking about Bob Dickerson and what he did during World Games. And I'm, I got to get him back. I didn't get him here in time for his conference that just just well, the Deja Gaston conference. Yeah. Deja Gaston business yeah. code. Long, long standing conference here in Birmingham. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Bob, everybody knows Bob. And if you don't know him, you get to know him. And if you know him, you'll smile when you hear his name. Uh, Bob is a long standing uh, advocate for uh, for black business and business in general. Yeah. One of the biggest winners, I think that was the lead in the piece, one of the biggest winners in the world games really was everyone behind Bob. Yeah. You know, Bob saw what did Deja Gaston say? Find a, need, find a need and fill it. Right. Bob saw a need. And filled it. You know, you saw headlines of the of the village near the near the uh, BJCC having problems, logistical challenges, and vendors not having the, the people that they needed for customers. But right across the street from where you are, right here at the, at the Civil Rights District, right, Bob had folks overflowing with That's customers. Right. That's right. He set up a village right here specifically for 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 for, uh, for minority and black businesses, and the traffic patterns were just right, and they overflowed with businesses throughout the days of the World Games. Yeah. So he saw a need to make make sure that. All all businesses were uh, represented and, and took part in the economic boom. That was the World Games. And just say a little bit about what Bob does in general with the Birmingham Business Resource Center. All right. Uh, I don't have his, uh, his information in front of me, but Bob, for years, he founded BBRC. He's, he's the person and the place that can help you with your business plan, from the business plan to developing capital. To, to getting uh, business to loans. Getting business loans and, and making your dream a reality in a, in a, in a planned and concise way. Yeah, and he's found success in that throughout Birmingham and the region and the state and, and even the country. Um, what stands out the most? Like everybody loves Bob. Like why? What? T- tell me why everybody loves Bob so much. Bob is just cool. I mean, that sounds so simple, but. He is a you know he is a he's a veteran business person, but he, his demeanor is very calm. Yeah, he's not he doesn't he doesn't have that car salesman attitude. Yeah, know? let me give that out. He's not that way. He's, he's just he's just cool. He's like yeah. you know, it's like almost like he has a martini all the time. He's, yeah, he's just real relaxed and a smoking jacket. Yeah, right. It's, it's real <laughs> real relaxed and you know even his cadence you know just really it's just slow and you know just, just his delivery, but he he brings with him all this knowledge about business you know from start. To finish, and he can back it up. I mean, he's he's one of the one of the, one of the last people we have now. He's not he's not a, a super senior, but he's one of the last people who actually worked directly with AJ Gaston. Yeah, you know, he was a very young man at that yeah. point. but he worked with AJ Gaston, so he those principles are manifest and still live within Bob Dickerson. Get the scoop on these stories and more at our three sixty dot news. 
Hello, good people. This is Russ McClinton from UrbanHam.com, your place online for the best in people to know, places to go, and things to do. Also, make sure you visit us at UrbanHam.com to get your latest in UrbanHam merch. And don't forget, you can get all the episodes of Intravenous 205 right here with Iva on UrbanHam.com. Did I ask you the last time, what's your favorite charity? Favorite charity? How do you think about that? Let's go to Salvation Army. Salvation Army. Yeah. Okay. Salvation Army it is. There's nothing with that. Okay, I was like, what's next? Remember? Do you know the Salvation Army statistics? I don't know. I don't. No, you thought I was going to beat you. No, I just, just nice people doing uh, good work. Uh, That's uh, all. Uh, 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 uh. In, in our podcast on part two, I always come back with, what's your favorite charity? And I give people a okay. chance right. to say what their favorite charity plug is. The I couldn't Army. remember what yours was, I never so told I was asking again. Plug to the Salvation Army. All right, plug to the Salvation Army. Now, let's talk about the current one black man's opinion. All right. The BJCC board is too old and too political. Tell me your thoughts on what I said. <laughs> Where, hey, as, as the young people say, where's the lie? Where's the lie? You made some very good points. You talked about, you know, we've had people on there for decades. Uh-huh. Uh, it, it's a very homogenous uh, lack of diversity uh, as far as age, uh, ethnicity, and life experience. Right. Uh, you talk about a few people, who, some of the newer people on there who represent a kind of change in the guard, but you're saying the guard has not changed fast enough, and you gave several examples of that. So, you know, um, it's a very powerful board, and it's also a board that we don't think about very often, but a lot of times we think about who we elect, you know, the city council, the mayor, the legislators, all those things are important, but those people are empowered to appoint boards and agencies that's right. Those groups are just as powerful and control just as much, if not more money, than your city council people and your mayor and your legislators. That is correct. That is correct. And when you look at, I don't, you know, I don't want to sit up here and and give wrong numbers, but I dare to say that the the budgets of the waterworks and the um, BJCC are higher than the city of Birmingham when it comes to capital projects and all that kind on of par. stuff. But I don't know. On I don't par. Know. I won't say higher. I okay. will say they're on par with major or, or major municipalities. Yeah. The BJCC and the Waterworks. If not, if not, if not the same as the city of Birmingham, they're on par with major governments. Right. Yes. Right. And if I have to, you know, I make it very clear that friendship has nothing to do with how I formulate my thoughts (laughs) and opinions, et cetera. And one of the people that taught me the game was Clyde Eccles. The the current chair. He's not the chair. Former chair. Former chair. Okay, all right. That was 30 years ago. Okay. He was on the board. Well, it was it was actually, I was 25, so 28-ish, 
years ago. Rounded off, 30 yeah. years, yeah. And so that's, I'm saying he was on the board then. That that makes no sense. Are, are, are you not worthy of sitting on a board? How about you listening and watching right now? Are you not worthy? Are you not capable? Is is what the fuck does Clyde Eccles possess that nobody else can bring to the table in 30 years? And for it to be a black woman that nominated him the last time, come on. Wanderlyn Gavan um twisted arms and used influence and talked nice to folk and she really made a difference by getting a black woman appointed to that board and for said black woman to turn around and renominate Clyde Eccles was a slap in the face to a lot of people who are just as um, just as deserving. I am of my generation fucked up. We fucked it up because we did not kick these old guys out on their heads like we should have. We let the old folks sit at the trough too long because they kept telling us, don't worry, you next. When I'm done, you're going to be next. Those same people are still sitting in the same positions of power. And we excuse it. We can't do that. It's, it's time for somebody else to do it. And, and my generation can't come along now and tell those young people whose turn it is, the, the, the um, Houston Smiths, and the Joe Freemans, and the um, Mashonda Taylors, and the um, oh my God, Teresia Huffman. It's their turn. It's their turn up at bat, and I am challenging my peers to fight for these young people, to be on these boards, to sit in these seats. It's time for us to say, hey, Dad, it's time for you to come on home on a few projects. Now, what are your thoughts on right, that, well, sir? All right, okay. Well, you know, you want to have diversity on all levels, as far as age, experience, to, you know, ethnicity, and and all of, all of those things, the demographics. But now, you don't want to kill all your institutional memory. I'm not I'm not saying this in defense in defense of 30 year members at all. Right. But you don't want to turn everybody out and have a brand new board with a blank slate. Right. But now, this could be fixed legislatively if they ever wanted to do that with term limits and staggered terms and different things like that. You know, the waterworks used to be this way as well. Mm-hmm. And I wrote some stories, made people mad, but they changed a lot of rules. Yeah. Including term limits. Yeah. How long you can stay on the board. So there is a need, like like you said, for you know, for fresh diversity and, and new ideas to come coming come on coming on in. But not, wait, not turn you everybody just out. said something. Okay. Say that again. What did I say? You wrote <laughs> some stories. I wrote some stories, yes. Made some people made mad. Made some people mad, and but they, it brought what? They they brought change. They changed the law. And it's incumbent upon us to talk about yes, these yes. things. Yeah, they change and, and you know what I'm saying? Yes. Why else? Why are they going to change in, in, until or unless we we nobody them to do it. nobody voluntarily ever no one voluntarily gives up power. I forgot. I heard that before. That is very true. It's true. 
Nobody voluntarily gives up power. Not at all. Got to go get it. Got to go take it. Um, now, let's talk about... What are we going to talk about next? What are we talking about what's next? You said you want to talk about the waterworks. Well, <laughs> as far as the waterworks is concerned, I'm working on a little piece on a, on a one black man's opinion. On the waterworks board, and I would love to know your thoughts on it. What, what, what? Um, what am I trying to? When I say waterworks board, does it make you want a projectile vomit? <laughs> <laughs> I would. I want to get. You know what? I want to get you, Archibald, and Cal, and Barnett, and Roy. And we just sit down and have a round table on. That'd be fun. That'd that be fun. would be oh, fun, oh, wouldn't I it? I like that. I like that. I like that. I might have to work on getting that done. That'd be fun. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on the Waterworks board? Now, me personally, believe it or not, it's not going to be a hit piece. It doesn't have to be if you just tell the facts. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I, finally, I finally feel a little hope. A glimmer. Okay. A glimmer. The All right. All right. Well, for you to have a glimmer, <laughs> for you to have a sliver of sunlight in your in your in your door, that's a good thing. So that is a good yes. thing, yes. isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they provide an essential service, no doubt, no doubt. But we all know the water's clean, so you can stop saying the water's clean. <laughs> we got that. We got right. that. You know, and we know. I know the water's life. We we all know that too. But you can't PR away a problem. Yeah. You have to really dive into your policies, what systemic issues are there, and look at look look at yourself and be committed to real change within your system. Don't PR it. Don't you can't lobbyist it away and you can't PR it away. You have to look at your system and see what 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 issues do I have? How can we fix that problem? Now once speaking, you do that speaking of PR mm -hmm. and lobbyists, okay. that that's a great like those are the two Perfect things to talk about. They haven't PR'd it away. No. The PR has been fucking terrible. And they've been paying $100,000 a year for terrible PR. Also, they can't do nothing with Goat Hill. Montgomery going to do what Montgomery want to do. So why are we paying a lobbyist to go down there and just report back? They're not making any changes. But, like I said, maybe changes are on the horizon. When I to, kind of hope you know, they I do, are. I do a little PR now. So when it comes to PR, the PR person can only deal with the facts that he or she is given. Correct. I can't change facts. You know, if your facts are bad. <laughs> but, but, okay, that's true. But what I'm saying is they haven't communicated at all. I'm meaning, like, be it statistics, be it if you come on the radio or on TV and tell me our water is clean, even though, right. <laughs> even though we don't want to hear that, we know that already. At least we know that money was spent on PR. Yes. Where can we find proof right now of the PR dollars that have been spent over the past 10 years? Really, fifty. Transparency is important. Now, I remember. Yeah. I remember days, a long time ago, John Archibald and Joseph Bryant 
were in the Waterworks boardroom looking at paper. Yeah. Looking at paper. They, they gave us a paper dump, and we had a good time looking through paper. Yeah. And we found all kinds of different things, and I wrote all kinds of stories and everything else. So transparency is important, and you need people to ask those tough questions on what you're doing right now. That's important. Boom. We want to hear about. We want to hear more that the war is not brown. That's a given. That's a but given. Let's move away from that fact. You know, we expect it to be clean. Right. Let's talk about operations. That's right. That's right. And diversity, but that's a whole different thing. Hold on. Okay, I'll be back. Let me let me know when you want us to have that round table. So what you got last for us, man? What's next? All right. Well, I have one little piece that you assigned. <laughs> you assigned to me when we're talking about. Uh, uh, some legislation coming up pretty soon uh, this month. Yeah. Now, I, I'm i going to sit on my soapbox for just a second. <clears throat> and uh, about, here again, 25 years ago, it's been between some t- somewhere between, between 20 and 25 years ago, I met the gentleman who is now State Representative Kenneth Paschal. And at that time, um, I was doing some lobbying work, and he was, I I said I was going to look up that card for the organization he was with, but he was trying to, to work towards legislation for non-custodial parents. And at the time, that issue meant absolutely nothing to me. Mm-hmm. And year after year, year after year, year after year, Kenneth would be down there trying to get votes for his non-custodial parents bill. Then he started talking about the same thing on the campaign trail. And finally, he gets elected, and now the the and I helped in that fact, thinking that we were going to have someone go down here and fight for these issues. And what used to be a non-custodial parents' rights bill is now called what? It is legislation to enshrine fundamental rights of parents. Let's go with that. It's, the, it's, it's House yeah, Bill. It's that. HB six to codify the fundamental fundamental rights of parents. He called it a common sense bill that premised on a hundred years of the Supreme Court president that recognizes parental rights as a fundamental right and the child's uh, parents the strongest protection. Now, say I want you to read that first part again and listen. Okay. Listen, I want people to listen to what Joseph is saying from the from the eyes or the mind or with the ears that I was fighting for. All right? Okay. Me I think what that says is that we fighting for non-custodial parents. Non-custodial parents are still parents. They should have rights. Read what you said again. No, I didn't say that now. This is talking. No, I'm <laughs> saying that's what he said. Sure. We were, he was fighting for and if you listen to what you said, mm-hmm. that does kind of apply. 
but he was he was he's floating something completely different. Here's a quote. This is what he told me. Here's what he said to to further fortify the party's stance on family values, to be proactive, not reactive, and protect the citizens of Alabama from government overreach regarding parental rights. I pre-filed House Bill HB6 to codify the fundamental parental rights of parents. It's a common sense bill that's premised on 100 years of Supreme Court precedent. What's that bill about? <laughs> Critics will say it's is 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 political posturing, and it it goes. Let me ask you. Let me ask you a question. Yes. Let me ask you. A yes. Couple of questions. First of all. Does this bill do anything for the mother who does not have custody of her kids? The father has custody, and the father is not allowing that mom to see the kids on a regular basis. Does that bill help that that mother? It doesn't discuss any of that. (laughs) No, it does not. It does not discuss that. that. Does that bill... Ask the court to put as much emphasis on visitation as it does on child support. Does that bill? It doesn't do cover that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Do, does that bill say anything along the lines of A parent shouldn't go 60 or 90 days without seeing their kids. Does that bill do anything for that? No, we don't talk about that either. All right. Now, this is what he says. He says the bill is preemptive and will not change any laws in Alabama, but put strong protections in place for, quote, family values of Alabama parents and solidifies the rights of parents against any changes in Supreme Court opinion. This is, this is designed to protect Alabama parents from government overreach. Okay. I got it. I I hate to do this, but my ADD is kicked in, and my mind won't let go of one thing before I move on. Okay, and that is your first piece: blacks in the GOP in the state of Alabama. Did you reach out to Kenneth Pascal? Yes, sir, I <laughs> did. he ever answer the phone? Did he ever return a call? Did he ever did he ever talk to you? Did he did he allow you to set up an appointment by which you could sit down and talk to him in any shape, form, or fashion? He communicated back, but did not set up an appointment or communicate specifically for a quote for the story. No. Okay. Now my brain will let me go to this story. Did he (laughs) respond, react, meet you, talk to you, Zoom? In in, in in 2023, did he use any amount of technology afforded to him to actually be interviewed by our 360 News vis-a-vis Joseph D. Bryant? None of those new media forms were taken. Right. However, I was, you know, we communicated a text and I got some email, so, mm. but no, no, no interactive uh, social or or, or, or 3D media was used. So, no. Okay. Okay. Well, um, appreciate this update. Right, my pleasure. 
Can't have, can't wait to have you back in a few so we can talk about um how our state representative completely understands us now and how he's going to make changes and he's going to reach out. He's actually going to come on the podcast All as right. well. I look forward to that. I look forward to that. Hey, I'm Charles Barkley. Call for a Redmond and water at bars and restaurants throughout the great state of Alabama. Redmond Vodka. Available at select ABC stores and package stores. Redmond Vodka is eight times distilled, gluten-free, and is made from non-GMO corn. Looking to support a local business? Redmond Distilling is Alabama proud and minority-owned. Learn more online at redmonddistilling.com.